Praise God, you guys. Hey, Jonathan, maybe you can bring that clip I had from last week up. And I, I think I have a place for that. And if I'm almost done with my message, bro, and you see time winding down, not with two minutes left. Everybody would be like, two minutes left only? He's going to show a clip with, you know, 10 minutes left. And that means I pass it because I'm not going to have time to put it in my notes. But I think it's going to work for this uh, message as well. It's just a really cute viral video that's, I think, pretty instructive. Uh, Praise God. A couple more announcements before we actually get going here. Uh, uh, of course, you know, the highlight right now is uh, praying for, for their, uh, Nick and, and, and Leah, you know. And, and it's cool, too, because I see Lisa over there, Lisa McFarlane. You know, she's back and forth. You guys spend a lot of time in Idaho and here. I've noticed that's awesome, you know. And uh, so her little sweet little girl who's been here, not little anymore. I mean, you're, you know, 20-some, 31 maybe or something, you know. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, is leaving with Nick, so it's kind of, it's really neat too that you guys all be able to have great fellowship, whether you're here or there. Uh, but also uh, uh, praying for, as Nick mentioned, the group. It's not just some of our, our, some of our youth went, it's not really our youth group, some of our youth went as part of the team uh, with Holly and Chad uh, to back east to do a, a youth retreat, which people requested back east because we just did a men's retreat there. Uh, Blessed Hope did earlier in the year, I think it was, and we're supposed to go back next year. Uh, we had 40 or 50 guys or so, but it was great, and uh, we're looking forward to that. But uh, So keep them in prayer. Also, in a couple weeks, two, three weeks, uh, I have to look at the date. It's probably in the bulletin. Uh, we have a Doctor Strange. Uh, if you're visiting, we're not showing Marvel movies and say, hey, check out. We're actually, it's an expose. Doctor Strange is the master of the black arts, of the occult, of uh, and in Marvel Comics, he's made so many packs with the devil for magic power that the demons and Satan, won't, Mephisto as they call him, won't even work with him anymore because he's so sold out. Yet he's, that's the top Marvel movie after the early one earlier this year and the top, second biggest movie, I think, in the whole last few years of the COVID era of Marvel. And all kinds of Christians are watching it and they don't realize, and we prove beyond a shadow of doubt in our upcoming video, the second video we do in our expose on Marvel, and it's really done really, really well. Uh, it's, I think it's an hour and 45 minutes or so. It's, we show that Dr. Strange is literally built on the character of Satanist Aleister Crowley and that even one of the main writers behind him was a member of Crowley's OTO. And Christians don't have a clue that they're being led away from Christ into the occult. And we don't just put this out to uh, warn believers. What are you letting your children watch and what are you watching? Why should Christians go and watch what God forbids, occultism, witchcraft, Satanism, and so forth? Uh, but we also put these things out just like they sold their souls for rock and roll, which we've seen countless thousands of people come to Christ through that video. Uh, we expose uh, it also to bring people to Christ. And so my point is, is bring some non-believing friends or bring people that are on the fence or wherever they're at. Bring them that night because it'll be a movie night and they'll be blown away. <laughs> You'll, they'll leave shocked, you know. Uh, some of the guys have seen it. Uh, I think it was Chad had seen many, much of this material early on because I didn't put out the first video. And then he saw the premiere, and then he saw the next one. And he, each time he goes, man, it just blows me away that this is just you know, so powerful. You'll be blown away. Uh, and it's a great way to witness the lost in our days, amen? Because in biblical times, people were given over to all kinds of idolatry, and the prophets railed against the idolatry because that's the biggest sin that's repeated throughout Scripture and they would show who the one true God is, and that's what we do. As people don't even realize that they've got focuses and affections toward fantasy guys that don't even really exist, like Doctor Strange and Spider-Man, who, by the way, they're not real, and they get all excited about them. But Jesus Christ, who created the universe and gave himself for you and slaughtered on the cross to save you, Israel, in fact, our whole calendar, B.C. and A.D., revolves around his coming, Amen. He's the one we should be accelerated about, excited about, amen, and celebrate. Uh, so I'm going to encourage you that. So keep, are you about witnessing the loss? Are you about being informed of what's going on? Be there that night. Try to make it, okay? And try to bring someone with you. If you don't bring someone with you, praise God. But if you can bring one or more people with you, that would be great. It's one of our missions as a fellowship is to reach the lost, amen? Glorify God and reach the lost. So Father, we do pray again in your son's name that you would, by your spirit, just open up our hearts to your word and bring transformation to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Revelation chapter 21. Believe it or not, we're, we just kind of were 
in 21. We were in 21. It's been a long time on the pearly gates. You don't want to, if you miss that message, you want to make sure you hear that because we talked about the pearly gates and why they're made of pearl and how pearl is a picture of what God's doing in you. Because a pearl starts off as an aggravating piece of sand, a thorn in the oyster's side, or a parasite that chips the oyster shell and gets in and wants to take the oyster shell, almost like Satan wanted to take God's throne, or like we as humans want to take God's place because we want to be our own gods. Yet, instead of just destroying that little parasite or jettisoning that piece of sand, what happens? He coats that parasite or the piece of sand with nacre, a substance from himself, over and over again, the mother of all pearl, the same beautiful nacre that makes the inside of that oyster shell so beautiful, and he coats it with it over and over again until it becomes this incredible jewel. And Jesus said, the kingdom of God is compared to a man who found a pearl of great price and sold everything he had to get it. Jesus gave everything and died on the cross to get you. We were the irritating, aggravating, sinful, wicked party. And he could have just destroyed us, but he covers us with his love. He covers us with his blood, amen, that nacre. And even when we've blown it since we were saved, he continues as we seek him in faith and repent to cover us and we become clothed. And the Bible says, not that I might be found in my own righteousness through the works of the law, Paul says in Philippians 3, but in the righteousness that comes through faith in Christ, amen. We're now robed in the righteousness of Christ, amen. And it says that our, our, our robes will shine like you know, bright white for eternity in his presence. We are the pearl of great price. And the Lord is the ultimate, amen? Uh, the ultimate morning star as we'll see, the bright and morning star. So in verse 21, he says, of chapter 21, and the 12 gates were 12 pearls. And these are huge pearls. Each one of the gates was a single pearl. That's just mind-blowing. And the street of the city was what? Pure gold. You know how there were huge dinosaurs? We have evidence of that, you know? Read the book of Job. I mean, they talk, it talks about dinosaurs in the book of Job, existing in the times of Job. By the way, in Texas and other places, there's human footprints in dinosaur prints, preserved together. Doesn't fit the evolutionary Darwinistic model, but it sure fits the creation model, amen? In fact, one textbook that tried to explain it away, it said that uh, these human-like footprints must have been dinosaurs with human-like feet, you know, which they never found. Just ridiculous, okay? And the next part of the verse says that verse, then we're going to go through the rest of the chapter, so we're going to be done with chapter 21. Uh, believe it or not, then we just have one, one somewhat short chapter left, uh, next, uh, which will start next week. And if the end of that verse says, and the street of the city was pure gold, pure gold, like transparent glass. And that just blows me away, you know, pure gold, the street. So the asphalt that we look at is just being just nothing, you know, in heaven, it's not just nothing, it's pure gold. And it's transparent. You can see through it. Now, there's some transparent gold on the planet, but it's very thin over the mask of, of some of the astronauts that went up and so forth. But this is going to be not really thin. It'll be thick. And it's pure gold, but it's, a, it's unlike any gold we really know of. And it's going to be beautiful, but it's transparent. And I love the emphasis. The street's transparent. And it may be that when you have 12 foundation stones, that these are uh, some believe, because it's hard to picture this, and it could be understood in different ways, but that each, each foundation stone are these different jewels we talked about. And uh, we talked about how the anisotropic, they're not isotropic, but anisotropic, all 12 stones just happen, not by coincidence, I believe. It just happens that they all transmit pure light, which diamonds and, you know, uh, rubies and some of the other uh, garnets and stuff don't uh, transmit pure light. But it's transparent, and God lights the whole thing where it looks like this huge diamond coming down from heaven, New Jerusalem. As wide as the United States, half the width of the United States, but that high as well, that width high, right? And the 12 foundation stones could be 12 layers, you know, different floors, if you will. You can't imagine how, I mean, that blow away the size of the United States. It'd just be huge. And, I mean, it's mind-boggling when we think about this. And uh, <laughs> we really can't get our brains around it 
Because the Lord says he's doing, you know, does exceedingly abundantly above the, that which we dream or imagine. You can't, you know, it, what it really is like is hitherto undreamt of. We've never even dreamt of, we can't even dream up what it's going to be, totally be like. John's seen it. He's trying to communicate it, right? The best he can in human language, but <laughs> he really can't get there as far as, uh, I mean, we really, we, he's got there perfectly what God wanted him to say, but we're limited in what we could fully understand because right now it says we see through a glass what? Darkly. But then we'll see face to face. It'll be mind-boggling. It'll be absolutely clear. But I love that it's transparent. God's heavenly city, New Jerusalem, coming down from heaven to the earth. Remember chapter 21, verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away. There's no longer any sea. There's a lot of things that are, there's no more. There's no gates in the city. There's no sea. There's no sun and moon you'll read about. A lot of things that aren't there that don't need to be there. And I saw, verse 2, the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. Wow. Brides get decked out for their husbands, don't they? That's what God's doing with the city. You can't even, it's going to be just absolutely gorgeous, absolutely beautiful. And I'm sure, you know, uh, you ought to be excited about it. You know, I, I want to tell you about my dream home. It's right here. Go to Revelation 21 if you're not there. That ought to be your ultimate dream home because we're, the, the dream home that you could think up if you could make your ultimate dream home would pale. Good to see you, Vicki. Love you, sister. Praise God. It's great seeing people that have moved to other states come and visit. We love you guys, and we miss you, sister, too. Uh, a lot. Awesome, sister. You know, this is the ultimate dream home, you guys. I mean, what you could dream up compared to what God has going, yours would be more sort of like an outhouse or something, okay? It would stink compared to what God has going, amen? Because he's the creator of all things, creator of the heavens and the earth. And I love the fact that it's transparent. Transparent. Do you think of Washington, D.C. as being transparent with all their politicians? You think of the FBI? Be careful, Joe. They might do plant something on you. Well, I believe there's a lot of good people in the FBI, but at the top are echelons. It's pretty much obviously political at this point. I remember uh, when they went after Trump the first time, they used a phony dossier. For three years, for three years, we had to endure the news media for three years talk about Russiagate, which ended up being nothing and a lie. Wow. No criminal charges at the end. What a waste of, a colossal waste of money and time and what happened at the end of that because they even used a warrant that they falsified, that they made up stuff to get the warrant. I mean, it was all kinds of just wickedness, man. And these are the people that, they don't seem to fear God. The leaders, anyway. It's very political. And right now, I don't know what's going on with, I mean, they just, a, a president, a former president, they went into Mar-a-Lago and just took all his stuff when he had already said, take it already, and they'd already visited there. They said, okay, we want to put a padlock. He did that. And he said, anything else, let me know. And then they made this big old, you know, how did CNN get there? How'd they get the tip? Yeah. Uh, and then all of a sudden, they make a scene, and it's like this, the election's coming up, midterms. I'm like, and you know me, I don't get, I'm not political. I'm about Jesus, man. But I talk about what's going on in this world. And, you know, and it's just amazing what you see right now is that uh, it's like, who can you trust, you know? And then they're sitting on you just talk about smoky rooms, you know, where they're sipping on their bourbon and, and or they're doing lines of what looks like crack or cocaine with prostitutes and so forth. Joe Biden's son, they got the laptop. They all denied that right before the election. And Trump, you know, after the election, uh, they didn't want that out. It came out and it was reported extensively by the New York Post that this is legitimate. Oh, no, it's illegitimate. They had Scores of different experts and intelligence experts say, no, this is phony. It's Russian disinformation. Now, guess what? They're saying, yeah, this was real all along. Of course, it was after Biden won the election. Then now they're saying, I think it's because they're getting tired of Joe. They realize he's not going to probably do a good job and get the, you know, 2024, he probably won't be reelected. 
So let's actually acknowledge that this laptop was a scam the whole time. And that's what I love about heaven. It's transparent, amen? Nothing to hide, no criminals, no politicians. Well, if you're a politician right now, I'm not saying you won't be there, but you need to repent and get right with Jesus because there's no politicians there, amen? And there's not just evil shenanigans and just deception and malevolence and so forth on the left. It's also a lot of the politicians, the Republican Party. I mean, think about what's going on right now. Think about how many on the other side have also uh, just gone along with the left. Pretty crazy. I can't wait till Jesus comes and reigns. How about you? Amen. He's, he's our hope. Amen. And that's what these last verses in all of the book of Revelation is about. I mean, the very first verse of the book of Revelation, it says the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him, shown his servants things which must shortly come to pass. He sent and signified it by his angel and his servant John, who bear record of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ. It's his revelation for us, but it's also revelation, apocalypse, Greek word, about him. Amen? It's all about him. And that's what our lives ought to be about. They ought to be all about him. So I praise God. I can't wait to walk in that transparent glass and no one has anything to hide because there's no more criminals there. And we'll see at the end of the verse, I mean, they can't get into the holy city of the wicked. And that means we want to make sure we're right with God right now and that we're forgiving, forgiven, amen, and that we're walking in the light. Look at verse 22, because that very next verse is really interesting because it's, it seems like it's almost shocking to the apostle John. I saw no temple in it. <laughs> and he's looking around, he's like, Where's the temple? The place where you worship God. I mean, in Jerusalem, you know, where John did so much ministry, the capital of Israel, what's predominant in Jerusalem? The temple. Even when you go there to this day, we've had a number of trips there. We're going to be going there again, hopefully before too long. Man, you just trip out when you see just the temple mount. It's just so predominant. And usually you'll see here about a city if there's a temple in it. Oh, it's a city and there's a temple in it. With Jerusalem, they talk about it sometimes as it's the place where the temple is. The temple, there's a city around it because it was so huge. It was one of the wonders of the ancient world at one time. But John looks around, he sees, doesn't see a temple. I saw no temple in it. Why? This gets back to one of the major themes I've been trying to emphasize for you that's so beautiful here that you dare not miss. For the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb are its what? Temple. Because it is one huge temple. Amen. I just, wow. Because you're not looking around for the temple. You are in the temple. And even better than that, you're not just in the temple. The Father and the Son are the temple. Which shows the equivalency again with Jesus as Lamb of God, deity, God, along with the Father. Amen. And Jesus said, it says uh, they sought to kill Jesus because he made himself equal with the Father. And Jesus says, it's the will of the Father that you give the same honor that you give him to the Son. Amen. And Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. In fact, Jesus said, Father, in his high priestly prayer in chapter, chapter 17. Joe, another guy from Idaho. Praise God. I think you're still in see me more than Idaho, bro. I think you might like see me better, bro. <laughs> yeah, I know, Joe, ever since he was, I had first met him, he always dreamed about going to Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. It's the closest place to heaven on earth, he'd say. He didn't have a Coeur d'Alene, but hey, praise God, you are an Idaho bro. In heaven, this will blow away Coeur d'Alene. Coeur d'Alene is very beautiful. Although we were there, man, it just rained the whole time. And it was summertime. I'm like, what? It was with this, but it's pretty. Anyway, it's amazing because it's not just the temple, guys. How many parts was the temple made of? Three parts, right? There were the outer courts where even the Gentile proselytes could come. There were the inner courts, the second part, but the most special place, the most significant place was called the what? Do you remember? The Holy of Holies. Small room, no one could go into because God's very presence, his glory was there. Except one man, one time a year, the high priest, amen? And the high priest could go in there, but he had to make sure atonement was made for himself and he was right with God before he went in because God's very glory you know, the kabod, the, 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 the power, the, the, the glory of God was there. And he'd be killed if he wasn't right with God. 
because you had this bright, by the way, when you go in, it was just lit up, but no windows because the candles represented, the, the, the seven-pronged candles represented the presence of God, the glory of God, amen? And it was a picture, it's a copy, it says in the book of Hebrews, of the temple in heaven. Right now, the copy gives way to the reality. And guess what? It was perfectly square. You remember that? And when you go in the temple, it was perfectly square. I'm talking about the Holy of Holies. New Jerusalem, we've already discovered. It's 144,000 by 144,000 by 144,000 miles. Perfectly square. What's the significance? It's obvious. It's saying this is the Holy of Holies. And we'll see in a little bit that it'll reiterate that the Father and the Son are the light of the temple. The Father and Son are the light of the temple. In fact, look at verse 23. And the city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God has illumined it, and the lamp is the Lamb. Wow. Again, the equivalency with the Father and the Son both being the light, both being the temple. Amen. The unity of God. It's powerful. So we're going to be, so they would long, man, I wish we could go to the Holy Holies, but because of our sinfulness, we couldn't. I wish we could actually spend time with God and just be in his presence, but only the high priest could. And the high priest, he was allowed to because he was a picture of Jesus. Because you remember, the high priest would bring what on his chest? 12 different stones, right? All these beautiful stones, which correlate largely to the 12 stones that we see that New Jerusalem's foundations are made of. Translucent gemstones. And each of these gemstones represented the people of God, the 12 tribes of Israel. And he'd bring them before God on his heart. And Jesus is our high priest who represented all of us, all of us on the cross and paid for all of our sins. Amen. And when the high priest would work, those gemstones would shine as the, the, the just beautifully as the uh, lamps would flicker and the, they'd cast off their light. Well, guess what? Those gemstones are a picture of the believers in, those are believers. It's a picture of you and me in New Jerusalem. It says we're going, he's, he's the son. We're going to get into this a little bit. It gets, it gets pretty deep. But when you think about this, back up 21, he is the temple. And what's very interesting, when I was going into the isotropic versus anisotropic stones and how it's interesting how God uses just anisotropic, and they wouldn't have known the difference between isotropic and anisotropic, but anisotropic transmit pure light. If you put, and I showed you pictures of diamonds under pure light, they just turn black. So, and they're not on the list. Why did he miss them? Why did he miss this? Why did he miss this? Purposely. But it's interesting, I was talking to uh, Natalie. We love you, Natalie. Uh, how long have you been in the Lord now, sis? What's that? Probably a year. Praise God. She came up so excited after that message because she has a business. I'm not sure if you're still in the business where uh, she sells gems. And she goes, Joe. She's tripping out because I was mentioning that the gem was perfect square. It's a huge gem, New Jerusalem. And she's like, and you know, you've heard probably that, you know, geometrically how uh, stones are cut or how they're found. I had no idea they were found at times as, guess what? Let's show this, Jonathan. She shared this with me. I thought, this is just too cool. Because I was talking about pearls later, being a picture. All these are pictures from God. They're found in their natural form as oftentimes, geometrically, as squares. Why does God do that? Right? Why does he do the pearl the way? He, he didn't have to have, you know, oysters make pearls. He could have just said, hey, oyster, oh, you know what? You're going to have a parasite coming you once in a while. You know, you're going to have a piece of sand. I'm just going to give you a little valve where you just spray it out of your shell and you're good. No, I'm going to do something really cool to show how these irritating people, I get bugged by them too, but I'm going to make them right and make them beautiful in the end. Amen. And she showed me a bunch of pictures. Actually, it was pretty cool. I'm like, wow, Natalie, this is so cool. God is amazing. I think he does this in nature purposely uh, to show us things that are just very, very uh, important. Now, Look at verse 22 now. And the city has no need of the sun or of the moon to shine on it. For the glory of God has illumined it and its lamp is the lamb. Why no more need of the sun? Why no more need of the moon? Well, the sun is the brightest of the morning stars. 
The sun's not a star. It's, 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 it's a sun. No, the sun is just one of many stars. It's like a medium-sized star. It just happens to be a star that's close to the earth. Okay? So if you want to know what the stars look like close up, look at, your, look at the sun. Okay? The sun is a star. And Jesus is called the bright. In fact, go to Revelation 22. You're right there. And go ahead and uh, look at verse 16. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things for the churches. I am the root and descendant of David, the what? Bright morning star. People debate what's the brightest morning star. I think it's pretty obvious. It's the sun. <laughs> the sun's the brightest morning star. And when it comes up, I love Resurrection Sunday messages and to do them here, but I often we do them over, a, they usually do a different one over at the, uh, the park area up in the mountains uh, by where John and Heidi live. It's just beautiful to see the sun come up as you're preaching on the resurrection of Christ. He's the bright morning star. The sun that we have in our sky is a picture of Jesus. Jesus is called the son of righteousness who comes with healing in his wings. The S-U-N of righteousness, he's called, who comes with healing in his wings. Your wings would be the outer parts of your garments. Remember the woman who went to Jesus? If she could just touch what? The hem of his garment, she'd be healed. She might have had that prophecy in mind. When they had the phylacteries, they had the hanging scriptures from their garments. Boom. She was healed, and when she grabbed a part of his garment, he's the bright morning star. We don't need the S-U-N anymore because we have the S-O-N in the fullness of his totality in the New Jerusalem, amen? amen. You're not going to be ever saying, ah, oh, I wish I could just sit out in the sun. You're going to be sitting, standing, singing, kneeling, all kinds of things in the presence of the S-O-N, which will blow that away. The former things will come to mind no more. You won't even think about it. There's no pain in heaven. There's no regret. There's no like, oh, I wish it was. No, you're always going to be like ecstatic. Pfft, can't believe I'm here. Pinching yourself, you know. Man, that guy's been spending some time with Jesus. Look how tan he is. I don't know how it's going to work, but you know. <laughs> he's bright, but he's tan. I don't know how that's going to work, but it's going to be pretty cool. Now, where's the moon? Well, you know, Jesus is son, but you've heard my teaching. If you've been here for some time, who does the moon represent in the Bible? Church. The church, the bride of Christ. You see that in the Song of Solomon. And Solomon marries the Shulamite, a Gentile bride. Amen. And she's called, and she's a picture of the church, the body of Christ, Christians. And she's called the full moon. Amen. She talks about her shining like the full moon. That's what we're supposed to do for Christ. Are you shining for Jesus? Jesus says that, uh, you know, that we are the light of the world. Now, it's interesting. He says, I am the light of the world. But then he says to the disciples, you are the light of the world. And he says, when someone lights a lamp, they don't hide it under a bushel. Why would they light it and hide it under a bushel? He says they put it on a lampstand so it gives light to the entire house. He says, you're the light of the world. He says, so let your light shine that men may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Are you obeying that scripture? Because guess what? The light from New Jerusalem is not cascading through New Jerusalem right now. We're not in New Jerusalem. But guess what? It shines through you. How? Because Jesus is the light of the world. He's the sun of righteousness. He's the bright morning star. But we're the full moon. Or we ought to be the full moon. How does a moon give light? Think it through. It reflects the sun. The moon doesn't generate its own light. That's not by accident. Why did God just give us one moon? You know, some planets have several moons. Some have no moons. God gives us one moon purposely. And there's supposed to be signs for days and times and seasons. But there are also signs for people and there are pictures of us. And we are supposed to reflect the light of the S-O-N sun. Amen? Amen? And when we reflect his light, people see that light and are blown away. And they're like, because they're in darkness. The world's walking in darkness. And it says the blind fall, the blind, you said, into a ditch. Amen. But we have the light of life. We have the light of Christ. The S-U-N gives light so people can see. It also gives energy, right? There's a constant trying to harness of the light of the sun. But the plants, they get their energy from the sun, right? Animals eat the plants. We eat the animals, the plants, and we sustain life. The, the sun is a beautiful picture of Jesus. He gives us he gives us sight, but he also is our strength. Amen.
can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. So he gives us light and he's a resource for our power and for our spiritual growth. Amen? So it's imperative that you allow the light of Christ to shine on you and that you allow him to shine on you and also that you refract that light to the lost world. You ought to be doing that. You and I both. And to me, you'll have no more exciting life than serving Jesus and being a light to the lost. It's just amazing, you know. Uh, the excitement. Christians that are not doing what they're called to do and what they're created to do, I feel sad for them because they get down. They, they get gloomy. They start living for themselves. And God didn't call us to be parasites. Amen. We start out before we come to Christ as parasitical beings, but we become these glowing pearls as we come to Christ and we grow and we get cleansed and we get strengthened, right? So he wants you to shine the light that, that he wants you to reflect what he, who he is. I ran into uh, Bernal and Ripple the other day. Wow, what timing, Bernal. It's almost like we coordinated that. <laughs> uh, and uh, we had a great talk. We ran into each other at Sprouts, you know. Ran into Chad too there for a little bit. Uh, uh, but I think, man, how long did we talk? And then I was talking to you and your wife for like an hour or something. It was a long time. I know because I got home late. My wife's like, where have you been? I go, oh, man. Ran into some people <laughs> at Sprouts, you know. And, uh, and I had hardly any groceries when I left. I still had to go to Ralph's to get some liver. Uh, it's really good for you. Don't knock it. You got to. It's, it's, it's the most nutrient-dense food you could possibly find. Nothing comes close to it, really. I hate liver. Buy liver pills then. Really good for you. Anyway, uh, so we're having a great chat. But you know what? It's such a beautiful talk because I'm talking to Mernal, and we're talking about witnessing the lost and sharing the gospel. And we're talking about growth of our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. And I just love it when I have a like-minded believers, you know, that just love Jesus and are serving him. And, and Renal is all excited and stuff. And, and we're, I'm excited. We're talking about the Lord. We're both getting teary-eyed at different times, talking about witnessing and sharing the gospel. Then later on, I run into a ripple, you know, or I'm with Renal. And then we, Ripple came two or three times, but she kept doing the shopping, you know. And, uh, <laughs> and then we started to do a little shopping. And then uh, Ripple, and then we talked another 20 minutes. And, and, you know, Ripple's got tears in her eyes as, we're talking about, you know, reaching people for Christ and, and encouraging brothers and sisters of Christ. And, and I, you know, what? I, I left there thinking, I was so excited. I left there thinking, you know what? Christians that don't, aren't serving the Lord and aren't trying to reach people, aren't letting their, not being the salt of the earth, not, not letting their light shine, don't know what they're missing. You know, I often give you the example of the Dead Sea, right? Or the Salt Sea, as it's been called, lowest place on the planet. We go there on Israel trips, and man, I'm the kind of guy, I think it runs in my family, I think we've all talked about it. We just, we go in the water, we sink. <laughs> you know, I've gained a little weight through the years, so now it's a little bit easier for me to float, but our, I think our bones are, I've never broken a bone. I think it's because they're very dense bones. You just <laughs> go to the Dead Sea, man, you go in there, yeah, you, you can't sink. I try to sink because of all the salt that's in there, man. But guess what? That salt just stays there doesn't go anywhere. Jesus said we're the salt of the earth. Amen. He gives us living water. It's a dead sea. It's called the dead sea for a reason. But the Sea of Galilee, see the Jordan runs into the salt sea. It just stays there. It stagnates, man. But when the Jordan hits the Sea of Galilee further north, I mean, I love Galilee. To me, it reminds me of Lake Tahoe, but more beautiful because you're in Israel and you were Jesus in Galilee where he grew up, Right? And it's just so beautiful, the mountains around it. And especially if you go at the right time of year, you're just like jaw-dropping. But the water goes in and the water goes out to bless others. And if you are like the Sea of Galilee, you're allowing the water, the Spirit, Jesus said that he will give us his Spirit and we like, you know, rushing water flowing from the innermost parts of our being and out through us then you're just having a spirit-filled, a spirit-led life and you're allowing the Lord to use you to minister to other people and you're in fellowship and you're encouraging one another. It's such a blessing. But if you're like the sea, the dead sea, you're kind of like spiritually constipated, you know? you just, you know, stuck spiritually and you start to look spiritually constipated, you know? I mean, graphic picture before lunch, but I really need to make my points, you know, so you really think about these things. 
You don't want to be that way. Amen? You want to let the Lord flow through you. Don't grieve the Spirit. Don't hinder the Spirit. The Holy Spirit's working. And if you're not going forward in Him and doing things for God's glory, you're not sharing the gospel with others. You're not encouraging your brothers and sisters in, in some way. You know, you're going to be stuffed up, man. And it's not going to be good. It's going to stink. It's not going to be good. You want to let the light flow, amen. You want to be involved in ministry. How many times have you heard me say, I've used the illustration, if somebody gets hurt and they're in an accident and there's people around, they say, this person may not live very long. We need a minister. We need a priest. Do you look around? No, you say right here. I'm a minister. I'm a priest. You're not a priest. You're a lady. The Bible says that we're a kingdom of priests, amen? The Bible says that God's given us all, male and female. Yeah, there's male pastors. There's women that, women have babies. Men can't do that. There's certain things God's called us to do that the other hasn't called to do. But guess what? We're all called to minister. And it says in the book of Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5, that God's given us the ministry of what? Reconciliation. You have a ministry. And if you are not bringing people to Christ, actively seeking to, man, Joe, I've been a Christian for years. I've never brought someone to Jesus. That's not what I'm saying. Are you planting seeds? Because not everybody brings people to Jesus, but you do. What do you mean you do and you don't? Well, not everybody sees a conversion. Not everybody's a closer, you know? My wife will say to me, you're a closer. You just bring people to Christ so easily, da, da, da. No, you know what? I think we're called to do different things. So one man plants, Paul says. One man just sows the seed, amen? Right? Ivan and Landell, when they're in Switzerland, what are you guys doing? Sowing a whole lot of seeds, amen? And they, that's parched ground there, man. They just, you know... Uh, sowing seeds. I was getting the text and we did a little FaceTime, you know, with your friend that was there from Germany. And they're planting seeds, you know. And later on, those seeds come to fruition. And it says another one, one sows, right? One plants, right? Another one does the harvesting. Another one waters. Some, some of you are watering seeds that others planted. Some of you planting seeds for the first time. Some of you are harvesting and saying, hey, man, you've got to turn it. And the person's already had people minister, and then they're coming to Christ. You play a significant role. The Bible says don't despise the day of small beginnings. Just do what you can. Be faithful with what you've been given by God. Amen? Amen. You have children? You're, you're a missionary in your, fa your family. If you have non-believing children, well, guess what? It says that the believing parent sanctifies the children. You have a huge role in protecting your children from the evils of this world and showing them Jesus and planting those seeds and hopefully seeing the harvest before they get out of the house. But if not, you continue to pray. You continue to water. Amen. But it's God that gives the increase. We ultimately can't lead anyone to Jesus. That's why I tell people. I go, I tell Lisa or whoever, God uses me, but it's the Holy Spirit that converts people. Amen. amen. And he wants to use each and every one of us. So let your light shine. And I warn people, and I'll sit, go through this really quickly, you better watch out. As you shine the light of Christ, that means you spend time with him. But you have to watch out for solar and lunar eclipses, amen? amen. There's two types of eclipses. One is when the world gets between the sun and the moon. If you let the world get between you and Jesus, you won't shine its light, amen? amen. The other type of eclipse is you got the solar, you got the lunar eclipse too. You got an eclipse where the moon gets between the sun and the world. You don't want to do that either. You don't want to cause people to stumble because they can't see Jesus because you claim to be a Christian, but you're being a hypocrite. Well, so-and-so claims to be a Christian, but they're the worst gossip at work. Don't do that. Don't let, don't let that be said of you. It said we're supposed to be in Philippians chapter 2. It talks about how we are these stars, right? And it talks about how we're supposed to be gentle in Philippians chapter 2. And that we're these stars for God, that we shine his light. And we're supposed to do it without grumbling, without murmuring. In this world that we, in this perverse generation, this perverse world that we live in, we need to make sure that we're lights. And we should be the last ones that are grumbling, man, because it's not getting worse and worse for us. It's getting darker and darker in the world and for the world. But the Bible says, for the believer, it says in Proverbs, it gets brighter and brighter. Amen? Why aren't you down? The world's becoming more and more anti-Christian. Haven't you seen the news lately? We're losing all of our moral values in America. How could you be so upbeat? Because Jesus says, when I see these things take place, he said, when you see them, don't hang your head low. He says, look up for your redemption is getting closer. It's drawing nigh, amen? Because I know he's coming. And I know this world's not my home. I know the Bible says my wife's life's like a vapor. Here today, gone tomorrow. And we could still rejoice. But it's not right in this world, but God's going to make it right. 
You know, my wife, praise God and thank you for your prayers because she was diagnosed with cancer almost 15 years ago and she went through radiation with breast cancer and everything else and, and praise God, she got better in time. It's a trying time in our walks, you know, a trial that uh, she was given most of all, but our family was given and she got through that and, and after that, her, you know, years later, her sister got breast cancer but died and she got it, got, got over it, but then got it long after that and perished, you know. And then her mom got breast cancer just a couple years back and uh, not, not just, and died. And then she was diagnosed, Lisa, one of the tests, we had two done, and had elevated cancer markers in her colon. And praise God, thank you for her prayers. We're crying out to God. And then she's getting her colonoscopy. And I just don't know why I said I just felt a sense. I just didn't know, but I just dropped her off. I said, you know what? Because I had to go get a shoulder look, my shoulder looked at, you know, because uh, they got the MRI and my appointment was the same time as hers. So I dropped her off and told her, you know what, everything's going to be okay. And I'm like driving away like, I don't think that was prophetic, you know. I hope it is. You know, it just had a feel in my heart because I was still concerned. And, uh, and praise God, uh, came back, nothing found. No polyps, no cancer, anything. He said that those markers, that was a false elevation, you know. Praise God for that. So thank you. She wanted to thank you guys, you know, all for your prayers and everything, you know. And, uh, and we're driving, and, and I'm telling her how my appointment may, went, you know, and uh, how I got bone spurs, they see, MRI. I've got uh, uh, torn cartilage that's floating from arthritis in my shoulder, which is probably because I had this injury for the last months and I haven't taken care of it, not wise. And I have a torn rotator cuff, you know. And I told her that, she's like, I'm so happy. I'm like, you're so happy. Why are you so happy? I knew exactly what she's talking about. She was teary. She's back to her diagnosis. And this was nothing compared to what she was going through. I just was telling her, yeah, this is what happened, you know. And I'm like, amen. And we're in tears, you know, so happy for her. But what she went through is nothing compared to what we have coming. Amen. And if she died of cancer, she would have beat us there, you know. Because for the believer, it all ends up good. Doesn't mean it's not painful. Doesn't mean there's not tears. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Doesn't mean you don't hold each other's hands. You don't cry through these things and be there for each other because we're to be the presence of God for each other. It's very, very important to love one another through these things. But, you know, she got home. Next day, she's like in the backyard and I was gone. I think I was at Sprouts. That's where I was at. And she's like rearranging some of the, uh, you know, the patio furniture. and She's trying to move uh, like a little gym thing. I guess the heavy gym thing. And I thought, man, she should have waited, you know. But she tried to move it, and she popped her back. She heard this pop, and she fell on the ground, and she was there for five minutes. She couldn't move. And she called me, and uh, I don't think it was a sprout steel. But uh, she said, yeah, I, 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 I'm laying in bed, you know. And she goes, and I thought when I laid there for five minutes, I just got over my cancer. I'm all rejoicing, and this happens. This is not right, you know. And I said, it's not right. We're not you know, Ecclesiastes chapter 3. God makes all things beautiful in his time. Things have not been made right yet, amen? We're not right, but through the cross, we're able to be made right with God, amen? Well, it reminded me when she said, this is not right, you know, I'm talking on the phone. And uh, it reminded me of uh, Justice. Uh, we went a, 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 couple, a month or so ago and took them to, uh, went to a, a wrestling, uh, it wasn't a tournament, it was a wrestling school up near Pismo. And we took our trailer up there. We got an old, trailer took took them up there and we you know the kids hung out but we got there justice was asleep so he was transferred from the vehicle up to a bunk which he hasn't been in for i don't know a few years so he wakes up in a bunk delirious not knowing where he's at in this little thing where it's closed off he looks in and he's like this is not right <laughs> this is not right you know poor kid you know a little bit later, you hear this, he hits the ground, poor guy. And he's right. That's not right either. <laughs> you know? We're just not there yet, guys. So you're going to look around a lot and say, this is not right. But God's going to make it right. Amen? We're the ones that made it wrong. Amen? Amen. You know? Satan sinned from the beginning. He's a rebel, you know? And uh, all of us have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. But God makes all things beautiful in his time. He works all things together for the good, 
for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Amen. And the present sufferings, Paul says, are not worthy of being compared to the glory that we revealed. And even that's in Romans 8, but in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he says that the present sufferings that we go through now are actually working for us an eternal weight of glory. It's just, we have to make sure when we're in this world, we remember that so we don't freak out. This is temporary. This is not our eternal home. Too often professing Christians freak out because they think this is the end all. That's a lie. Satan wants you to think this is your eternal home. It's a huge lie. So there's no temple. God is the temple. Amen. Now it's interesting because the glory that was in the holy holies will just fill with light New Jerusalem. We'll just be in the very presence of God, which blows me away. I'm, and, you know, you try to understand what this is going to be like, but, you know, I don't know, some of you are younger, so you wouldn't have experienced this, but when I was like, I don't know, nine, ten years old, uh, there was a point like in 72 or so where color TVs began to become more popular because they started to perfect them more than black and white TV. So you're used to seeing everything in black and white when I was a kid, and then all of a sudden, Around 72 or so, more and more people were getting color TVs. And all of a sudden, it looked totally different. Well, right now, it's like we're looking at everything in black and white, you know. And, and even our proximity, you know, like we were talking about Nick leaving. And some of us were in tears thinking about Nick and Leah uh, leaving and so forth and going to Idaho to, uh, you know, lead that fellowship over there. Uh, but the trippy thing is, is that even right now with technology, Years ago, you couldn't, you'd have to write someone, right? Or then you could email them. That became, it's better than snail mail. Wow, you can email. Now you can even Skype, right? You can Skype and see some, you can Skype and talk to a relative all the way across the other side of the planet. That's pretty cool, but guess what? It's still not the same as being in their very presence, amen? amen. It's still limited. But the crazy thing is, and we're in New Jerusalem, we will be in God's very presence. Think about that. There won't even need to be, it won't even need to be mediated through Jesus now because we'll be absolutely perfect and we'll be with the Father and the Son, amen, and the Holy Spirit. We'll just fill it with the glory of God and we'll have his immediate presence which will blow away any kind of relationship. And Nick and Leah, we're all gonna be together forever and ever, amen, you know? Might get to the point where it's like, Lord, I didn't wanna be this close to Pastor Joe, you know? <laughs> no, never, there'll never be any regrets. It'll all be really, really good. So I'm so excited about that time. But what's really interesting, it was our sinfulness that separated us from God, amen? amen. In fact, it's really interesting. We look at God's glory in the temple, in the very holy holies, the kabod, the heaviness of his, just the beauty of his presence, deadly to us if we're not right with God. And Israel had fallen into deep sin. And when Ezekiel first encountered the presence of God, we read in Ezekiel 128, like the appearance of, remember there's these wheels spinning and, you know, something, oh, it's like a flying saucer. No, this is the very presence of God revealing himself to Ezekiel. You got these wheels spinning, these colors, sapphire throne, God's presence. Not in all his glory, or Ezekiel would be, but as much glory as he could probably give him without destroying him. And you read in Ezekiel 128, like the appearance of a rainbow, the appearance of rainbow sound familiar? Like New Jerusalem. On a rainy day, so that the radiance around him, this was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of, God, of the Lord. When I saw it, I fell face down, and I heard the voice of one speaking. Then in 323, we read this. I got up and went out in, in the plain, and the glory of the Lord was standing there, like the glory I had been in Kabar River, and I fell face down again. So he's seen the very glory of God. Now, it's interesting. Something happens, though, as he sees the glory of God over and over again. He begins to see the sickness and the wickedness of his people. And God brings Ezekiel to a hole in the temple. And he shows him to look in the temple. And he sees the priests. He sees the leaders of Israel engaging in idolatry and worshiping idols and engaging in very perverse sexual acts. And then he says, hey, Ezekiel, let me show you even more wickedness. That Don't let anybody tell you that all sin's the same. All sin's the same and that all sin breaks God's moral law. Yeah, all sin will destroy you. And you need atonement for it, which is what happened through Christ. But there's different gradations. Jesus said, those who handed you over, me over to you, Pilate, have the greater sin. 
there's a, there's a gradation of sin. I mean, taking a paperclip, you don't want to steal a paperclip, but guess what? Robbing Fort Knox and killing three guards on the way in, that's a little bit, little bit worse, okay? Quite a bit worse, actually. So, but he's showing him greater and greater sin. And Ezekiel eventually sees the kabod, the glory of God, move from the holy of holies. And it's very interesting because we read in chapter 10, verse 4, then the glory of the Lord went up from the cherub. Remember where the glory of God was on the mercy seat of the holy holies? There was a replica of cherubim, two of them, two cherubs on both sides of the mercy seat. And here's the mercy seat. The glory of God was on the mercy seat, on the golden mercy seat where the sacrificial blood would be placed. And he says, then the glory of the Lord went up from the cherub and stood over the threshold of the house. And the house was filled with the cloud and the court was full of the brightness. The brightness. See the brightness? Like New Jerusalem. It was filled with the brightness of the Lord's glory. So it moves to the entrance about 15 feet from the cherubim and from the mercy seat. But then it moves even more. And in chapter 10, verses 18 and 19, we read something interesting. Then the glory of the Lord departed from the threshold of the house and stood over the cherubims. And the cherubims lifted up their wings and mounted up from the earth in my sight when they went out. Now they went out, the wheels also were beside them and the one that stood by the door of the east gate, wow, of the Lord's house. And the glory of God of Israel was over them above. So now we're talking about 70 feet away, not 15. It continues to move. And now it moves to the east gate, which is at the very entrance of the temple compound. Now it's interesting, God is leaving his house. He's leaving the Holy of Holies because the temple, because the paganism got so bad, God's saying, I don't, I'm not going to exist with wicked, evil, unrepentant people. And God is leaving. And it gets even worse. It says in 11.23, And the glory of the Lord went up from the midst of the city and stood upon the mountain, which is east, at the east side of the city. So now he's leaving Jerusalem too. You know what's crazy about this? Is Jesus, when he came, he came back to the temple. Amen. It says the beginning was the Word in John 1, 1 through 3, and John 1, 14. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was getting with God, and all things were made by him. That's the Word, Jesus Christ. And nothing came to being but by him. He's the creator of all things. He is God. Amen? And it says in verse 14, and the Word became flesh, the incarnation. God became a man and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. There's a glory coming back. And we beheld his glory as the glory of who? The only begotten. He's the son of God. And Jesus in John 17, when he prays later, he says, Father, glorify me with the glory that I had with you in the beginning before the creation of the world. So in New Jerusalem, you see Jesus' glory with the Father like it was before the creation. Are you with me? But God becomes a man incarnate. The glory is coming back to the temple now. And when the glory comes back to the temple, what does he do? When you read Jesus' ministry start early on, he brings a whip and he throws the tables over and he cleanses the temple and he says, you've taken my father's house, a house of prayer, and made it a den of thieves, right? But if you go to the end of Jesus' ministry, at the end of the three years, three years plus, guess what? He comes back, does the same thing again, cleanses the temple. They reject him. He warns them. He says to them, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. I think that's chapter 23, verse 37 through 39 of Matthew. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those who are slain to her. How often I would gather together your children as a hen does her chicks, but you were unwilling. He says, lo, your house is being left to you desolate. Not one stone would be standing on another. The whole temple would be destroyed. And he says, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And when Jesus departs the temple, guess what? He leaves. It's very interesting. When you follow his footsteps, he retraces the same steps that the glory left in Ezekiel's day through the eastern gate to uh, the uh, mountain. He takes off. He leaves uh, across the east, away from the eastern gate. It's pretty fascinating. So that's the, that's the Jesus that was in the Holy of Holies. Who was it that was in the burning bush? Who do I say sent me to the, the fiery in the burning bush? Tell him that I am that I am have sent you. Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am. The glory came. The glory was rejected. It was part of God's plan. He knew he'd be rejected by sinful mankind. He knew the people that were saying glory to God in the highest would be the same people saying crucify him later. And they crucified him when he was on the cross. Amen. 
and he allowed himself to be crucified so he could take the penalty of the sins that we all deserve because we don't deserve his love. We don't deserve his glory, but he took that upon himself so that we could become the glory of God, so that we could shine for him. He won't share his glory with anyone. We're not gods, but we are to glorify him. Amen? Now back to, are you with me? And by the way, Man, I want to just go and go on this, but I'll say a few more things that are on my heart and then we'll move to the next verses because I do want to be out of this chapter uh, today and we're almost done. But I will say this is that that word for glory has to do with like the weight, you know? In fact, did you know, you ever hear the word Ichabod? Ichabod's a sad word in the Bible. You remember Eli, the high priest, and he was living a shameful life and he didn't discipline his kids and they grew up wicked, Phinehas and others, the others, and then God just killed them all. And Phineas' wife, that would be Eli's son-in-law, she was still alive, and she named her son Ichabod, which means the glory of the Lord has departed. Or, you ever hear that, remember that commercial, where's the beef? Give away your age, right? Where's the beef? It could also be translated, where's the glory? God's glory left, but God's glory came back in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen? amen. And then guess what, man? He left again, but on his way out, man, he paid for our sins outside the camp. So we could be brought back to the Father. And so we could be brought back to the glory. And it's very interesting that, uh, uh, let's go to the next verse, chapter 21. Chapter 21. And as we're looking at Revelation chapter 21, the nations, or verse, uh, I'm sorry, verse 24, the nations will walk by its light and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. Amen. That's going to be an exciting time, man. The saved kings, that is, of course, because outside the camp are the wicked, verse 27. They'll bring their glory into it. You know, I love it. The nations, you guys, the nations. Every ethnic group, there's people from every ethnic group that will be saved. Amen? Amen. The church is truly multicultural. We're the true multicultural people. Uh, the, the world can't do multiculturalism. We see how that's going, right? Crime and just, you know, wickedness and uh, disparity and they complain about inequity in the world. In the church, the true church of Jesus Christ, we recognize that we are all descendants of Adam, that we are all physically related, and that Jesus died for each and every one of us. Amen. And there's not a higher cl class of race. There's only one human race. Amen. And Jesus died to save us all. In Revelation chapter 7, John marvels because he says there's a great multitude that ends up getting saved from every nation and people and tongue. Amen. Kindred and tongue. Everybody. And I'm, that's going to be one of the most beautiful things about heaven. You have people just from every ethnic group imaginable. And there's not going to be any prejudice, any racism, anything, because people see clearly that we're all created in God's image. Amen. And if anything, if they, we see differences, it'll be the beauty, amen, of the different uh, kings and the different nations. And they bring their glory into it. And remember the Magi? Remember when they seek, sought Jesus to worship him? How do they give him glory? By worshiping him, by humbling themselves, by recognizing him as the king of kings and the Lord of lords. That's what the kings will do. Verse 25, in the daytime, for there will be no night there, its gates will never be closed. I love that. Its gates will never be closed. Are you looking forward to that time? Why will its gates never be closed? Because the glory of the Lord will be there and it'll be perfection. In Ezekiel chapter 48, talks about the glory returning to the temple, by the way. And that's this temple, the whole New Jerusalem is the temple, right? And it says, and the name of the city from that day shall be the Lord is there. Catch that? The name of that city, the city, 4835 of Ezekiel, from that day shall be called, you know what New Jerusalem is going to be called? From that day forward, the Lord is there. Man, we long to be in the presence of God. Amen? We long to spend time in the presence of God. Amen? And I just think it's amazing because we're not going to wonder or ever have to leave. You ever go on a vacation and you're like, man, it's too short. I wish we'd be on this vacation. My wife's been saying, we haven't been on a real vacation for years and years. Eventually we'll get one, baby. And uh, I think last time we actually had a vacation like alone was, I think it was like the next day the water pump broke on our deal and it was, and I have to admit, I was itching to get back to work and she wasn't, it wasn't, it was a place we went to before that was really beautiful, but we went and the time was super dry. It was horrible. <laughs> and uh, we're by this like little body of water and it just breaks and pff, I go, that's the signal that we need to leave. She goes, yeah. 
and we left. I think we were there overnight one night, you know. But uh, we, we did go camping a couple days, a few days ago, uh, for a few days, uh, a little while back. But, uh, but you go to a vacation, a really beautiful place, you're like, wow, I wish we could spend more time here. Well, guess what? This will blow away any vacation spot, again, that you could imagine, and you'll never have to leave because you're going to want to be in the presence of God because that's where the most joy, the most beauty is. And it's huge. You'll never, I don't think there'll ever come a time where you haven't seen all of New Jerusalem because I think it's going to change. There'll be, a fruit tree will have 12 kinds of fruit every different month. You know, God's a God of variety, right? You're never going to get bored because there's no pain. Boredom is pain. You know, you're, he's constantly transfixed. And it says that he'll continue to reveal himself, uh, that there'll be grace to grace. There'll be continuing manifestation of God's grace. So in verse uh, 25, the gates will never be closed. That's because there's no crime there, amen? You don't have to close the gates because outside the holy city in the lake of fire are all the wicked. And you have people that have been saved by the blood of Christ and have been resurrected and received the new bodies. They no longer have Satan there to tempt them. They no longer have temptation because there's no longer the flesh that we're attached to. We're just fully resurrected and verse 26, and they will bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. I, I'm still hoping there's Thai food and Mexican food, and that's part of what that means. I don't know. But I know uh, sushi, maybe. But there's no death, at least of humans. Maybe they're still fishing. I don't know. We'll see, Joe. But uh, verse 27, last verse. And nothing unclean, and no one who practices abomination or lying. If you're a liar, you're not going there. You need to repent right now. If you practice abominations, sexual perversion, thefts, murders, bearing false witness, that kind of stuff, you're not getting in. You need to repent. They shall, uh, it says, one who practices abomination and lying shall ever come into it. Never. But only those who what? Those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Wow, guys. Time goes fast, man. I never, you know, I might have to skip a lot of pages, but uh, it's okay. You guys, you want to get in that city. Not everybody gets in. Jesus says, enter the narrow gate. For straight is the gate that leads to life, and few are those who find it. But broad is the gate, and spacious is the way that leads to destruction. And many go that way. There's, those gates are ne- always open because there's no nighttime. And they're open all day long. And it's just one eternal day because the Father and the Son, they never go out. It's not like you have light on one side of the earth like we do now and then light for 12 hours on the other side. It's just light all the time, no fatigue, no, I need to rest. No, it says we enter into our rest. It's just an eternal rest. It's an eternal vacation. We'll still serve God. We'll have a great time. And it's going to be the safest place on the planet you want to go there. I read this uh, in uh, the Daily Herald. You know where the safest place on earth is? It won't be that way for much longer, but uh, avoid riding, it says uh, in the Daily Herald, I, I, I avoid riding in automobiles because they are responsible for 20% of all fatal accidents. Do not stay home because 70% of all accidents occur in the home. Avoid walking on streets or sidewalks because 14% of all accidents occur to pedestrians. Avoid traveling by air, rail, or water because 16% of all accidents involve these forms of transportation. You will be pleased to learn that only 0.001% of all deaths occur in worship services in church. And these, <laughs> and these usually are related to previous physical disorders. Therefore, logic tells us the safest place for you to be at any given point of time is at church. Bible study is safe too. The percentage of deaths during Bible study is even less. If you're missing Wednesdays, you need to be there. You know. But you know what? This isn't the safest place. New Jerusalem is. There's no more death, amen? And how do you get in? How do you enter it? Well, first of all, there needs to be a reversal. The glory has to enter you first because we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. And God left his temple. And Jesus says the true worshipers will worship in spirit and truth, no longer on this, not on this mountain, but in spirit and truth, amen? And before we enter New Jerusalem... He knocks and he has to enter into our hearts. Revelation 3.20, behold, I stand at the door and knock. He says this to a backslidden apostate church that needs to get right with God. Open up and I will come in and sup with you, fellowship with you and you with me, amen. The Bible says, many has received him, he gave the right to become the children of God, amen. 
If you receive Christ, you'll become a child of God. And you'll be forgiven of all your lying, all your abominations, everything that we just read about. You'll be forgiven of all your sins. You'll become a new creation. The Bible says, anyone being Christ. Not because you did something wonderful, but because of the wonderful thing that our King of Kings did, our Lord of Lords. He died in your place and took the penalty that you deserve on the cross. Amen? So you could become, and then he rose from the dead, so you can come to him and accept him. He could live in you and then give you, write your name in the book of life, only those, it says, whose names are in the book of life. Amen? And Jesus says to his disciples, don't rejoice that you have power over the demons because they were all tripping out. Man, the demons are obeying us. We're casting them out. He said, don't rejoice that you have power over the demons. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Amen? You can rejoice today that your name is written in heaven. And no matter what you go through, you can say, hey, guess what? My name is written in heaven. I'm a citizen of heaven. I'm a citizen of New Jerusalem. No matter what happens here, can't be compared with the glory that we revealed. In fact, the bad things that happen here, if I love God, he works them for the good for those who love him and call according to his purpose. He makes all things beautiful in his time. I'm going to keep on trusting Jesus. Amen. And my life is going to be supremely blessed, not for a while, but for all eternity. Amen. Is that a good deal? Why would you reject it? The alternative is outer darkness. Was weeping and gnashing teeth forever and ever. Don't reject Jesus. He came to give you life. God wanted you to hear this message. He wants you to make sure that you're saved. If you're not saved, accept the Lord Jesus Christ into your heart right now, and you'll pass from death to life. And the Bible says you will not come into condemnation if you're trusting Jesus. Amen. Can we all please stand?